the four o'clock football frenzy with Cofield and Company. Adam Hills here, Cofield, Ari, and our Finley Tony Studios. Get right to it. So much going on in the NFL. This is something every day. Did Jim Ursay step on the neck? Maybe, maybe uh, more timely, slap Carson Wentz across the face. What is this? I mean, I think he's just been hearing so much talk, and and there's been a lot of defense. Say, or excuse me, of, of Carson Wentz and and you know Frank Reich and and others in the organization just said, hey, he was good. Maybe you know Ballard talked about it too. He was really good. Just maybe wasn't the right fit, and you know he's probably going to be still great as he moved on, and. It sounds like Jim Irsay has maybe just heard enough. Um, said it was something that we had to move away from as a franchise, and it was very obvious. Uh, he is, quote, extremely grateful to the football gods, so to speak, uh, where we were compared to where we are, talking about getting Matt Ryan now. So, I mean, it seems like he may have just heard all this, you know, I guess positive talk and, and happy talk about, Hey, great player, just not the right fit at this time, and he's just had enough. Uh, I know listening to a radio show that's based in Indianapolis that talks about this topic every single day, um, th- there was just like a lot of people in the organization that couldn't take the up and down anymore of just every pass, like grabbing onto you know anything you could find around you, and like, oh my god, is this going to be the one thing where he ruins the game every single play? Uh, and I think that was kind of passed on from Ursay and his people too. There is no debate. Matt Ryan is an upgrade. Now, I've seen a lot of snarks respond with, you know, big deal. You got the ninth or tenth best quarterback in the AFC. They're better off. They're much better off now than they were. I'm not saying Matt Ryan is a world beater, but it gives them a chance. Well, I I still think. Especially in a situation where Wentz was wildly inconsistent, and since they traded Wentz, they were looking at a disastrous bridge. Whatever their future as a quarterback, we don't know. But it was going to be a disaster of a bridge. I mean, I know that people aren't going to like this. Uh, I still believe they were the best team in the AFC at the end of the year. I think they were the best team in the AFC, even with Carson Wentz. And they had a disastrous game in Jacksonville, and there's a reason that they're not in the playoffs. But I think if they would have got there, they – were just as likely as anybody being the Super Bowl. I think they were the best team in the AFC. Look, look what they did to Buffalo on the road. They blew them out. Man, imagine if every uh, a lot of the key players were actually 100% physically and not feeling the effects of something. Uh, yeah, fair. Imagine fair, if they had done what they were supposed they to do and got not, a shot. Yeah, not gotten freaking COVID at the end of the season, dumbasses. Yeah, and I mean, they, they I, will, I will probably quote this a million times, but going back to hard knocks and – Looking at them and just look and them looking at Buffalo and like, whew, whew, that guy will turn the ball over to you. I, it's, it's still my favorite moment of the year. And uh, they, I think they could have beaten anybody in the AFC if they got in the playoffs. So with a competent, and, and listen, I think Carson Wentz is a more talented quarterback than Matt Ryan. I do. He is. But Matt Ryan has been consistent and proven for a long time and I think is a much better fit for what they need to be. Man, you make one comparison and people take it so literally they flip out in Miami. There's a little chatter around the Dolphins that Mike McDaniel from San Francisco, now the head coach, could use Tyreek Hill 
like a Debo Samuel. Okay, I'm with it. I don't think he's going to use him the exact same way. But any way to get Tyreek Hill the ball, especially as you call it with that offense that is football porn when you watch it on film, any way to get him the ball in the run game is a positive. Or am I looking at this the wrong way, that there's a durability thing in Debo Samuel at 225 pounds with tree trunks for legs is just a different type of player. You don't want to be running Tyreek Hill a whole bunch. Well, I mean, I, I think they, that they will use him in, in a way like that, but let's also not forget it doesn't have to be him. It could also be Jalen Waddle. Like, I, I think they're going to use both of them in a hybrid type way. I think they're going to find them ways to get the ball, but the Dolphins also went and got running backs. Like, they went and got guys that could play running back, and that could be very effective. That could also be pass catchers, and um, this is just a, a dynamic offense all around. They, they've put a ton of pieces in place in Miami around McDaniel, and um, I think it's going to be an exciting offense that they're going to see different ways to get the ball to different guys on every single play, and you're going to have Tyreek Hill and Waddle in motion, and um, you know obviously they still have Gasicki who can do a lot of things uh, except for block. Uh, you got you know Mostert and and other weapons in the backfield too. Like this is just a, a an offense loaded with weapons, and I think all of them are going to be used in many different ways. Who wants to go see the Scorpions with Skid Row, Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood? Caller seven right now. Ari will give out the tickets three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. It's for the uh, Sunday, April third show, eight o'clock. Residency going down right now, March thirtieth through the sixteenth uh, of. April as uh, the Scorpions are doing uh, Vegas and then they go on a big tour uh, all across uh, Europe and playing six concerts in uh, France and six in Germany and they'll be joined by uh, Wolfgang Van Halen and that one but you get to see them here you get to see them here free tickets 364-1100 you can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com it's at Planet Hollywood Scorpions with Skid Row Ari's got your tickets 364-1100 join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas there's no excuse for it ladies and gentlemen don't even try to justify it okay Chris Rock said it years ago every time black folks doing something you know who messes it up I never dreamed of my wildest dreams I'd be saying that about Will Smith a black man Will Packer did a phenomenal job producing the Oscars and you do this to stain yourself to stain the Academy Awards damn Yeah. Even A, not happy. That was a couple days ago's reaction to uh, Chris Rock and Will Smith. We'll get into that with Caleb Herring, uh, one of our football insiders. A reminder tonight, 6.30, got Phoenix and Golden State NBA right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So it's coming up a little bit after Cofield and company. Uh, One basketball note in Jalen House. Jalen House, outstanding point guard, had 27 in the Rebels' loss against New Mexico. He's a New Mexico point guard. He had 27 in that game. He's going to test the NBA draft water. So is David Roddy. So is UNLV's Donovan Williams. Bryce Hamilton is in the NBA draft. He's not testing the waters. Caleb is up. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I mean, good as can be expected after the Will Smith slap, right? Everybody's <laughs> kind of devastated. <laughs> uh, I heard on social media you had quite a bit to say about what went down with uh, Rock and Will. Yeah, you know what? It's it's one of those things that everybody, I think, has something to say or had a, a take on it in, in their own way. I think, you know, I I usually people call it straddling the fence, but I look at context and I, you know, obviously before going any further, going up on stage or in any in any way slapping somebody physically over what's basically just words is inappropriate and wrong. Everybody knows that that's a mistake, but I think uh, 
knowing and following, I think, Will Smith and Jada Pickett and the way that they, their relationship and their public, I guess, sort of persona and how the personal struggles of Will Smith and his relationship with Jada have been kind of a public joke for two years. You know, I think that uh, at some point and you know, looking at the context of this night, this Oscar night being his night, and I think the, the consensus going into the night was it was about him winning his Oscar for the first time, right? Like everybody kind of felt it coming. Um, and I think for two years of, of being the butt of jokes with he and his wife and the entanglement um, and the memes that were out, and we watched a man essentially be emasculated by his wife, you know, for, for a couple of years. The entanglement. <laughs> Okay, I yeah. like that. Yep, I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're aware. We're aware. So, that, so all of that, all of that, I think, figured in, factored into where Will Smith's mind was, and you know, to, the ability to be able to take a joke when you're coming from that place, it diminishes a little bit. Not excusing what he did, obviously, slapping somebody and handle it that way is wrong. It's a mistake on any level. But I just, I, I immediately went to that. You know, the, the frustration on Will's face and the fact that this man has been the butt of a joke and, he, uh, like I said, emasculated in a public sphere uh, by his wife, and it was just terrible. And no, no man wants to be emasculated that way. I think what I saw was a guy who's trying to find some masculine strength and going up there and taking it out on somebody else um, who probably said an innocent joke in his mind, but with the culmination of two years of being the butt of a joke, I think his, his emotional ability to cope with the joke was not at a normal level, let's say. So I understand that. I think it, it opens up a conversation for at what point do comedians have to take responsibility for what could potentially be the reaction for their jokes? I mean, they can get boycotted. They can get canceled, if that's a thing. They could, people could not laugh. You know, they can get booed off stage. And I guess now they have, you know, they shouldn't have to deal with the threat of getting slapped in the face. But at some point, you have to realize, I think Chris Rock in his statement kind of realized, it, like, hey, there's a line, and I may have crossed it without knowing I, I, I was going to cross it, but I crossed it, apparently, in Will Smith's mind. And and maybe I should apologize for that. So it's it's way more to it than you know a simple uh, mistake. I think that there's layers to every situation. I will always try to get as much context as I can before passing judgment. But that's just how I look at it. It was stupid to go on stage and slap somebody though. And I think even Will Smith will be the first to admit that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote with a single petulant blow. Will Smith advocated violence, diminished women, insulted the entertainment industry, and perpetuated stereotypes about the black community, uh, also saying, uh, quote, troubling on so many levels for men of color. Yeah, so some of that statement I agree with. I, I don't agree with that it, it was, it was uh, I guess, a sentiment that's in any way intentional or that it condones or perpetuates violence. I think, well, we'll make a mistake. And I think a lot of people, a lot of times in life, we get to a point where we don't see any other option but to, you know, use violence. And I, it's the lowest point for a lot of people, but a lot of people have been there. I mean, Kareem punched somebody on the court before, right? I mean, so it's 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 one of those things where I I don't think necessarily making the mistake of using violence is is intentionally perpetuating it. I do agree that you know maybe infantilizing women and and making it or patronizing them, making it seem like they can't protect themselves or defend themselves against words. I think there's some truth to that. Um, but I, I, the problem that I, the biggest problem I have with what Kareem said is that I I don't feel the need to assign guilt to the entire group that is black people based on the singular actions of a black person. If the person that does something or that commits an offense just happens to be black, I don't think it, it's healthy for a culture. And I don't think any other culture really does this or race, I guess, does this outside of the black community where the sins of my brother now reflect on me. And that's 
to me, I think that's the whole group identity versus individual identity debate that, that is really heavy in politics right now. But I think that's what you do when you, you make statements like that. Just because Will Smith made a mistake doesn't mean that I, as a black man, am now poorly reflected because of that. I think it's, it's unique for black people in America. I understand there's context to that. But I think we need to move away from that line of thinking. Like it, Just because Will Smith made a mistake doesn't set black people back 40 years in the, in the civil rights you know, debates or discussions. I, I think we have to be able to say Will Smith made a mistake. Not every black person in America or in the world made a mistake in slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. There's plenty of us that think that it was absolutely outrageous and silly for us to do. And by the way, going back to your first point, Caleb, um, one of my favorite things of this is that we all had to run and see what Jada's boyfriend thought of Jada's husband doing this. And <laughs> oh, August, oh, uh, August posted on Instagram, choose peace. Choose peace. <laughs> yes. the, so, um, of course, of course he did. He, he wins, right? He wins. There's, there's no situation that August doesn't come out on top. And I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at the context of it. Jada's got to take some blame for this. Whatever this downward spiral for Will Smith has been, I, if you guys have read his book, if you've watched his YouTube series and kind of his, I, I guess, search for you know his masculine identity again that he's been on for the past few years. I think you kind of understand that there's some Jada context here that we can't dismiss. Why Will Smith feels the need to go slap somebody in her honor to kind of make up or, or, or get back on her good graces, I don't, I don't know why he would feel like that other than saying Jada's got some blame with this. You know, she's, she's got to take a hand in this. I just like the very serious remake of Fresh Prince that is carried over into the Oscars. I love that. Uh, <laughs> very serious quarterback battle for UNLV, Caleb, coming up. Um, I didn't think that any of the guys that spoke to the media were overly like dynamic. Is that does that matter? It, in some ways, yes. I think uh, you know the public opinion, the popular opinion, does go a long way. Getting the confidence of the media on your side and maybe getting some positive press does help in some ways in building your own individual content, uh, confidence. But I don't think, in the grand scheme of things, it matters towards on the field. I think if you feel good, you play good. So if you feel good about what the press is saying about you, obviously you may, may go out there and perform with a little bit more confidence. But overall, where these guys are, where especially Harrison um, being the new guy to the to the locker room, um, where they are, I don't think it really matters how charismatic they can be with the media just yet. Um, that will become a factor, obviously, how they can handle adversity when it spouts up, or you know, let's say the quarterback competition heats up and you know maybe the the clear favorite whoever that may be falls behind and, and doesn't necessarily get not how they handle that adversity how they handle the press in those situations it definitely can play a factor but right now in these early days i'm not too worried about you know how charismatic or how open or how uh, affluent they are when it comes to dealing with the press so um i'm i'm more interested to see how they grasp the offense i think that's the bigger question for everybody now after some of the things that they 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 reveal to to the yep. press after the first practice so, you know, advantage coming in to the guys who are the holdovers in Doug Brumfield, who uh, played last year, but, you know, missed a lot of the year because of injury. But he still got to work on the playbook and, you know, watch the offense run by Cameron Friel. So Friel has an advantage. Here's uh, what Bailey told us. Just some some early basic thoughts about the offense. I would say it's probably the hardest offense that I've learned. Um, it would be my third offense in three years. So complicated, but it's uh, very explosive. No, we're going to score a lot of points. There's an answer to everything, if that makes sense. So there's not a look that we can get that we don't have an answer for and that we're not in the best position um, to be successful in that play. So some people took that like, uh, well, one, wait, the offense is that hard to learn. Two, 
the, the offense at UNLV is more complicated than Tennessee. That's crazy. It's not. It's not. Crazy. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not crazy. Marcus Arroyo has has been part of an offense or ran an offense at lots of stops in Power Five areas. Uh, you know, most recently Oregon. So, what do you think about what Bailey said? Well, I, I mean, I think I can understand it, and just this is you know conversations with Coach Arroyo himself, and and the way he kind of looks at the game of football. It's very, I, I would say, intellectually driven thinking. Right? It's a it's a thinking man's game, and that's I think the lens of a quarterback that he wants his quarterback to look at the game with. Um, and I think what what may be lost in what Harrison Bailey said was, you know, maybe maybe the offense itself isn't complicated, but the complications come when you have so many different options because you want to be right on the field. Like, and we're talking about audibles and adjustments at the line of scrimmage. So those things, maybe the first time he's ever learned the offense from that perspective, learned any offense really from that perspective. A lot of times in college, especially today. Um, the systems and, and the play calling is, is very much simplified, where a lot, most offenses don't help the sideline and get a signal, and then they just run the play that's called, right? Or they, they, they check and see what the defense is doing, and then you see a bunch of them looking to the sideline to figure out what the next call is going to be because the coach is the one making the adjustment. I think what maybe Coach Arroyo may be doing is empowering his quarterbacks with the knowledge so that they can make the adjustments, and that's very different than I think the norm in college sports right now, especially – you're talking about high school sports where most of these guys got most of their playing time. Um, and that's, that's, I think, a shock when most college players go to the NFL is that transition. And you, you've heard people that are drafted talk about it, the, the language in the huddle, calling two plays at once, checking teams at the line of scrimmage. That's something that a lot of players in college today aren't accustomed to because the coach on the sideline on a headset is making those adjustments for them. I think Maybe what Harrison Bailey could have been alluding to as being difficult is the fact that he has all the options at his disposal. And it's his job now to steer the ship on the field and his job to have a command of the offense in order for it to run as efficiently as, as intended to be um, through the eyes of Coach Arroyo. I think that, again, leads me to think that maybe the quarterback battle that goes on that we, we've seen for the last couple of years that goes into the fall and into the season a little bit has more to do with the mental approach than the talent or the physical ability of the quarterback. It's more about who can grasp it, who can run the offense the most effectively. And I think that's going to go a long way to discerning who's the starting quarterback. Harrison Bailey is new into the program from Tennessee, was a four-star recruit. He's working with uh, returning wide receivers right now in the spring. I think all these guys are there. Uh, Kyle Williams, Al Griffin, Steve Jenkins, Jeff Reimer, Nubi uh, Juco, Ricky White from Michigan State, Senator McKee is also – a transfer. Uh, Jordan Jakes is a big 6'5 kid, second year from Indiana. Here's what Harrison Bailey said about the receivers for UNLV. Man, they're good. I was telling them, like, after uh, I think our third throwing session, but I was telling a few of them, like, man, they're, they could, they would come to my, my old home and, and start instantly. They're, uh, they're that good. But um, as a group, probably one of the strongest I've ever been with. Caleb? You have to say it. I, I don't know that it's true. Uh, you have to say it if you're a quarterback coming in. And in some way, it instills confidence in your receivers and the belief that you're confident in them. So that's absolutely right thing to say. How true it is, I don't know. I will say this. never been really, I think, the skill positions that separate the Power Five from the group of five schools. I think skill position, you know, talking about on the edges, wide receiver, defensive back, you can see – a lot of players in the NFL, let's say, against the greatest competition, come from group of five schools. Take Devontae Adams, for instance, who's from Fresno State. He's now the best receiver in the NFL, right, arguably. 
Um, so there's, there's the skill set, the skill position guys are usually where the competition is even. I think in the trenches, if we're talking about power five versus group of five, that's the difference between the two, you know, the two ranks is, is that in the trenches, the beef up front is where the ball, the games are won and lost. And you see, you know, George defensive line, what they are compared to defensive lines in the Mountain West. It's not going to be the same thing. But you can have guys on the edges that you can say are talented enough to have gone to an SEC school or to have played or started on those SEC rosters. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, I don't know necessarily how true it is. And it's because we've got young guys in the receiving core for UNLV, the names that you mentioned. A lot of them were underclassmen and, and faced injuries and were in and out of the lineup. So we haven't seen them possibly at their full potential. I know Kyle Williams has dealt with injuries in both of his seasons after winning uh, freshman of the year offensively. He struggled with injuries last year. So he could possibly develop into a top-notch receiver. I don't know how true it is today, but as Harrison Bailey, you kind of have to make statements like that to show that you're, you're willing to fully give in to this team to become a, a teammate in the locker room and instill confidence in the guys that you're going to be throwing to. Last one, Caleb. We know you're a fan. You're an L.A. guy. Grew up real close to L.A. Uh, Lakers fan. My God, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's complete implosion, right? It's 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 what we all feared when we saw this uh, this ragtag bunch of past prime guys come together, right? When you saw Carmelo and Westbrook, and you all wondered like, would it would it work? Like, it's an experiment. It's definitely a stretch. But LeBron's got it right. He can make anything work. <laughs> AD stays healthy. He can he can do it. Of course, AD can't stay healthy. LeBron is doing everything he can, but it's just not working. I, I, I think this is the first time I've looked at a Laker team and just said there's no answer. There's nothing that we can do better outside of Anthony Davis suddenly investing $1.5 million in the offseason to staying healthy like LeBron does. Uh, hopefully, at some point in his career, he, he can do that and stop getting injured. But outside of that, I mean, this, this team isn't built to win right now, and they, they, they can't figure out this roster or with this coaching staff. So it's one of the few times, as a Laker fan, I've really been – uh, I haven't been hopeful like this or, 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 you know, I guess pessimistic about the future of the Lakers in a long time. And right now I just don't see an answer for it. The 11th seed going into the playoffs, not even being thought of as a contender in any way. It's not even like if we get in, we contend. It's like if we get in, we're going to get bounced in the first round. That's the, the feeling right now. But who knows? I, I, I'm in disarray as a Laker fan. It's, it's been a rough one for me. Do, do you even want them to get in? I don't. No, absolutely not. I don't want to see any more of it. I don't want <laughs> – they still get primetime games. They're playing on Sundays, and it's like, you know, that's when the Lakers are supposed to be playing as a fan. That's, we get the primetime slots, but I don't want to see any more of this. Like, it, it's over. We failed. Try again next year. Do something. I don't know. Trade AD. Whatever you got to do. But let's get some hope, some life re-injected into the Lakers franchise before Bronny comes to the NBA and LeBron leaves us for him. <laughs> man, sobering, sobering. All right, Caleb. Good job, man. Appreciate it. Excellent stuff on Chris Rock and Will Smith. All right, guys. We'll take care. See you later. There he is. Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback, football insider, right here on Cofield and Company. We move past the halfway point of the show. Coming up, you know, if you're rich, what's the point of being rich if you just can't take off whenever you want? And uh, I guess there's a country singer who wants to go to the Final Four, and he's like, concert this weekend? I'm not doing my concert. Screw off. It's canceled. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Now, back to Cofield and Company.
unless you hate fun and love your bosses, you got to like that, right? Eric Church, who actually got a lot of uh, national pub doing the national anthem. He did the national anthem two years ago at the Super Bowl, right? He and her. Do you want to do Abin Costello here? <laughs> Who's her? Was it her? I think it was her, right? Wait, what? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Eric Church has decided to, I mean, he's not putting it in these terms, but he's decided to tell San Antonio and his fans there to screw off. Right. He's a North He's a North Carolina fan, and he wants to go to the Final Four. I think he did put it in those terms. Did he? I didn't say it. No, I know he said, I he announced he's not, he's, not, he's not doing it. He's not doing a show. He just said, I love my fans. You guys are great. He's like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's you know Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four, and – you know, a chance to end Coach K's career. Like, I'm going with my family to the game. Sorry. Ari, uh, can you be objective on this with your hatred of country music? Because I swear you sent over this story and said his fans are pissed, and rightly so. First off, as usual, I have to correct you. I don't have a hatred for country, but I was not I a do. fan of that song you sent over. I didn't like it. That, I'm by the way, an opinion. That I don't a- send over any songs. It's our vast sound crew. If, Why would the lead host on a show be cutting up any music? Yeah, that's a, if that was Eric Church, that sucks. So I listen. He's doing San Antonio a favor. <laughs> uh, go watch the game. You know what you should do instead of going to the concert? Watch the games. It's Ooh. a much better time. Yeah, okay. I don't. I don't. First off, I was always taught from every showman performer that I've ever worked with. You work with? There we go, yeah. Including yourself, that the show must go on. So, like, Will Smith smacks Chris Rock, he keeps going, right? This guy wants to watch a game, I'm out. That's insane to me. Also, is Adam the second second most or uh, the the most famous showman you know? I believe so. Uh, Also, (laughs) we're comparing Will Smith to Eric Church now? And Will Smith was asked to leave, by the way, and didn't. I'm actually comparing Chris Rock, who instead of, like, the reaction wasn't like, holy crap, I just got smacked. Uh, I'm going to run backstage. He just kept going, like, tried to be seamless as he can. And that's, I'm saying, that's what, like, good performers do. The show must go. When Miguel remembered the the leg What does it have to do with The guy has a chance to go watch his sports team play. The show doesn't have to go on. Do you know how hard I tried to get here Friday? I could not physically be here Friday. I was sick, as we know, as you know now. Take six days. I mean, yeah, I can take Eric. six days. It's Cofield and Company, and I'm a producer, and we have like seven other people that could fill in. The you know, not as good as me, but still, there's only one Eric Church in a in an arena full of what? I didn't get the number, but what twenty, forty thousand? Forty. What? How big know. is this guy? I don't know. No, I was assuming like, it was like a bar. It was the T. I think the T-Mobile or no AT and T Center. I don't know. So this is an actual show. It's a big. This show. guy is big enough to do like a, an arena. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, I, but I don't decided, think it matters. He decided it was more important to go, and I'm I'm not saying it's just a game, but I'm saying it's like the narrative to go watch a silly little game. Are you telling me that that song you just played coming back? <laughs> people are there's enough people willing to fill an arena to watch that guy perform. Okay. This yeah, is he was he, he was playing at the uh, eighteen thousand five hundred eighty one. Yeah, the basket's playing at the Spurs Arena. Why don't yeah. they just put the game on? The big screen, and he can play while the game's on. Hang on, guys. Pause well, I guess he's going. He's actually quick. he's actually going to the game, and it's oh, not. It's like he's, it's not like he's staying home to watch it on TV. He's going to the game. Uh, th- I mean, all of this is is baffling to me. I, I you, you you do know he's coming here on May thirteenth nope. to the fortress. Are we? Are we? Uh, I think I have that right. Are they? Are they advertising? Are they advertising on the show? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. I do, he's do, 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 awesome. 
if what, he shows gonna, up. Gonna, the venue's going to get mad that you don't like every musician out there who's booked in town? Well, they're, if they're advertising, I probably shouldn't say. I mean, he, he's great. Call <laughs> Caller 12. <laughs> All right, so that, that song had a drinking theme to it. Um, this guy also has North Carolina ties. I want I, I this one. I mean, not not every genre, like every song, people are gonna like. Obviously, uh, this is a guy named Chase Rice, who actually played football at North Carolina. So I don't know what the hell he's doing this weekend, but he better be going to the game too. I ain't never been the church going time. Can't quote much past three sixteen, even though it's a Friday night. Church family sitting here drinking beer, talking guys. Sitting here, drinking beer, talking God, amen. Is that the... Each his own. Is that the guys that do the, the Applebee's commercial song? Uh, no, I think he's actually with Florida Georgia Line, another hardcore country group that has uh, broken through in the last, whatever, seven years. Hardcore. They're good. Wait, wait a second, really? I've heard of their music Ari, before. Ari. Florida Georgia line is good. Not Look only at that, Ari. not only Reversing that, course. but side by side, which of those two things sounded better to you? Just saying. The first one. All right. No, Each I, their own. listen. The, lyri- the lyrics that, on the second one are absurd. I'm just stuff. being objective, that, like boss man told me to Steve. So that like, song that Ari just played was objectively terrible, and it was a hundred times better than that first one. Really? Yeah. Yes. That oh, whatever we came back from break with was atrocious. It was an affront to hum- humankind. This isn't how you expected this to go, did you? Are you doing this because the guy Chase Rice is a former football player and like 6'3", 230? No, I mean, listen. Is there a fear you're going to run into him as a fellow big fella? What are you talking about? Like what, what are you talking about? I just said it was objectively bad. I'm not, <laughs> it's just much better than that other thing. Good point. I flipped it around. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Both of those songs were atrocious. Go see them at T-Mobile Arena. <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, I don't know when Chase Rice is coming to town. If he is, but back to the beginning of the conversation. If you're an entertainer and you have to cancel a show to go watch a sporting event, and it's your team, and I know North Carolina traditionally is awesome, then you go, and your fans deal with it. Of course, I don't think it's anything horrific. And I mean, I I, th- I think it's I still think, and I I mean, how many people are on freaking? Uh, why am I blanking on her name? Who's the Who's the freaking? The lady who kept canceling shows on us here. Oh, Adele? Yeah, Adele. I don't know why I blanked on Adele, but that that one was kind of crazy because she was doing it very last minute. Sure. And, and it didn't seem like the excuses were um, up to snuff. But uh, no, the, could have been relation could have been relationship issues, right? I, sure, absolutely, it could. I, but I also saw you know I saw people saying that they had bought plane tickets and hotels, and my first thought is, well, I mean that's silly. Why would you ever do that to see that person? But I mean, I can I can see getting upset and annoyed by that part of it, but in, you know, just if you if it's non-refundable, it sucks, and just enjoy your time there. I I can't imagine not being able to see that dude sing his terrible songs would impact your trip that much. Find something else to do. Well, if we're looking for entertainment coming up, so I just told you, I guess uh, Eric Church. It's not a guess. I told you, Eric Church is in town in May. Is Megadeth playing on the ninth? Right, we gave away tickets for that last week. Megadeth on the ninth. Also on the ninth, Marcus Arroyo is going to have a coaching seminar, and your guy Dave Ziggy, GM of the Raiders, is going to be speaking there. Will you go? 
I'm if invited, to go see Dave Ziegler speak. I'm going to try to. It's going to be, it's going to be maybe, maybe a tough ticket to see um, Marcus Royal's quote, longtime friend, end mm-hmm. quote, Dave Ziegler speak. Right. Um, I, earlier, I, earlier today, you sent over uh, Ziegler spoke on Monday in Florida, didn't say much more than McDaniels. Yeah, they're 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 in lockstep on talking a lot and not saying anything. All right, and that's that. But that's not a bad thing, right? No, that's that's their job. Because yeah. we rave, Candy and I raved about it yesterday, and okay. compared it to blowhards of the past and present. You know, guys like Dave Gettleman, who you know eventually was just so embarrassed speaking that he just stopped. But the former GM of the Giants loved to be out there in front of people, um, and I still believe that. The Seattle brass kind of likes, you know, when they're winning to puff out their chest sure. and be public. No, make make no mistake when I say about Ziggler and McDaniels that they know how to talk a lot and not say anything. It, it's a full compliment to what they're supposed to do and what their job is. It sucks for my job. It's terrible. Yeah. But it, it, they shouldn't be worried about my job. They should be worried about their job. And they're doing their job very well. Like you you operate in, in quiet and darkness and uh, you don't have to say what you're doing or leak it out there what you're doing and you don't have to fully explain it or say what your plans are but they are you know they'll stand up there and they'll give a sound bite that you can play for you know 90 seconds and you're like wow that that was a great answer and then if you really dissect it and write down the transcript of it you're like he said nothing like that's what they're supposed to do i'm not ripping them for that first annual coaches clinic is going down on uh, saturday april 9th it's not the first coaches clinic ever uh marcus arroyo <laughs> unlv football coaches clinic it's 15 bucks a coach you get lunch you got UNLV football assistant coaches, Marcus Arroyo, special guests like Dave Ziegler there. I'm sure they're going to announce some other guests as well, and it's a full day of uh, getting to see the facility and listening to uh, uh, different folks talk about coaching and football. Sounds like an awesome afternoon. Uh, we retweeted it up at ESPN Las Vegas, also at LV Sports Network. So if you're a coach and you want to sign up, get in. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. If you want it to be completely fair, then go to the college rule. Let's just accept that it's not going to be fair. Stick with the old rules. Play some defense. If you can't stop them, maybe you need to get a weighted coin so you can win the coin toss. The idea that we're going to chase some perfect overtime rule, it's not going to happen because no matter what you do, there's going to be a problem with it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. That's not true. That's Dominic Foxworth. We'll get to what he was saying about the overtime rule changing. Just because there will be some people complaining about it doesn't mean it's not an improvement, and we can improve on what the overtime has been in the National Football League. So, we got some football news in. Nothing gigantic, but uh, Adam Schefter reporting Boston Scott back with the Eagles. Uh, Raiders, former Raiders, Landing in different spots. Former third rounder, right? Arden Key. That was part of the Gruden. That was Gruden's first draft. So I was going to say Gruden Mayock, but that was Gruden. He's landed with the Jags. Does that change their philosophy at the top of the draft? I don't think so. I think Arden Key is a depth move. Okay. Uh, Top of the draft, number one pick. Aiden Hutchinson, minus 300. He's a defensive end for Michigan with the uh, Velociraptor arms. But out beyond that, outstanding prospect. Um, Trayvon Walker, 350. The NC State offensive lineman. You want to go ahead and pronounce that one? Uh, it's it's uh, just, just go Ike. Okay. 
12 to 1, Evan Neal, 12 to 1, Alabama offensive lineman. Quarterback Malik Willis for the number one pick. Stop. 22 to 1, Kayvon Thibodeau, Oregon, edge rusher, 25 to 1. So he's pretty locked in, huh? Three hundred? Yeah, I'm starting to worry though. So I, 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 I did some, uh, you know, some gambling content shows before the the combine and said, you know, lock in your bets. I think Aiden Hutchinson was like plus one twenty five at the time. Just lock in Hutchinson. He's the number one pick. There's no question about it. Um, and I've been getting a lot of congratulations about that. And I'm like, hold on, just because the number is where it is now doesn't mean it's a done deal. Uh, things can change. And you know, when you look at Malik Willis. And say, well, he's twenty-two to one. There's no way the Jags are taking him. Well, who said the Jags are picking number one? That's not a sure thing. Oh boy. Um, I will say this: I have my first official mock draft coming out on Sunday. Here we go. Trade a Palooza. Well, yes, uh, but Malik Willis, number two. Oh wow! All yeah. right. Can we find some odds for Malik Willis to go in the two hole? Let's you, do it. You never know. And and I think listen, I think if the Lions are going to take Malik Willis, they should probably trade down and still if they trade down to five, they could still get him. Um I think. I don't think any any other team unless somebody else moves up. Uh but you know, there's gonna be a lot of moving pieces here wow. before the draft. So, that doesn't feel like a reach. That doesn't feel like uh let's compare Malik Willis to someone like Joey Harrington. Hmm. You see what I did there? Sure. Well, because also Lions. I don't like. I feel like like just drafting a quarterback way too high because you need someone. Sure, but I, I also well, I think he's also he's a face of a franchise type guy, um, which is which is good. But I do feel like I saw one the other day that I was like at first I said come on because it's it what we get all mad about of just like you have to find a, another black quarterback to compare him to. But I actually do think the Russell Wilson comparisons are about about right. Why? I mean, a guy who loves the deep ball, very good at it. Um, not the biggest guy and not the most mobile necessarily, but definitely enough. All right. Um, he, re- he just reminds me of how he plays. Um, and maybe, like, I think of probably a better leader because I think Russell Wilson is overrated in his leadership abilities. But um, I, I think there, there is some similarities there in, the, in their games. Exotic betting for the Final Four. North Carolina Duke game. We're very much into this. By the way, Bruce NV, who now lives in Texas, so you should be Bruce Texas, one of our favorite listeners. Uh, very acerbic. Does not give any Fs. No. Uh, he's great. Uh, he saw that story that we just talked about with uh, Eric Church, country singer, saying, you know what, I'm not playing my concert this weekend. I'm going to the Final Four. And uh, Bruce said now he'll be rooting for Duke. Ugh. Because the church is a North Carolina fan. He said he'd be rooting for Duke for the first time ever. I'm like, bro, come well, on. Bruce is in Texas now. Was he planning on going to the show? Is that why he's upset? I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't no. think that's his type of music. Like, I think he's he likes country music, but I don't think Bruce likes, no, he likes that kind of outlaw, music. outlaw country, I think. Outlaw country. That's, yeah. a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, exotic props. What will happen first in the North Carolina Duke game? Coach K calls a timeout, minus 150. Coach K's wife is shown, plus 110. Oh, I'll take wife. I agree with you. That's easy. I want more value, though. I think I think it should be the huge favorite. I think that's great value. Mickey will be shown over under four and a half times. Huh. When I mean, are we staying from the opening tip? You know how these things work. They never give the details. But they're, uh, they're gonna they're gonna show her three times before the game even starts. Right. In game, if it's close down the stretch, oh, come on. It's like a ten or twelve. Who set this number? Well, also, I'll say this. 
Here's here's a, a real key. If you like North Carolina, then just pound the over on Mickey being shown. Like if it's his last game and, and she's watching, you know, the the loss and they're counting down to them being the career being over, they're gonna show her a hundred times. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.